again. It should be Mark uh, with John chapter 2. I'm going to be reading the first five verses. You're probably very familiar with this story, but we won't be looking at the water turns into wine portion of the story. That is uh, a, you know, a great teaching in the Bible, Jesus' first uh, miracle there and, and all the things that we could learn uh, from the application of that understanding. But we're going to be just looking at verses 1 through 5 and the mother of Jesus. Starting in verse 1, John chapter 2, on the third day there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee and the mother of Jesus was there. Now both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. And when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. Jesus said to her, woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. Now, some of your mom's saying, Jesus, this is kind of rough. <laughs> this is not mother and son dialogue here. Verse 5, listen to Mary's response. His mother said to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. Let's pray. Lord, we just ask again for your spirit to illuminate your word. Lord, that you'd remove me from the equation, that you would be glorified, that your word would be lifted up, that you would encourage and strengthen. Lord, you would teach, you would instruct. We thank you for your word. We thank you that you are present here. Be mighty in word and deed. And Lord, I pray that you would just bless these mothers and everyone else here as we open your word. In your name we pray. Amen. Now, I don't want to miss the opportunities. We go verse by verse of the Bible. We're in the book of Ephesians. Uh, a lot of pastors don't do a Mother's Day message. A lot do. I mean, it's probably a 50-50 thing around the country. I know we've got plenty of Calvary Chapel pastors who are doing a Mother's Day message like me. We've got a lot that aren't. Uh, there's a lot of churches that you know, do it and don't do it. I don't want to miss the opportunity, though, to speak from the Scriptures about these roles and responsibilities uh, that... I would say, and I think you'd agree, are consistently being redefined and marginalized and undervalued and pressured and misrepresented by the world in this ever-changing culture. So I don't want to miss the opportunity. We only get so many times to talk about institutions that God ordained from the very beginning. Because when we go verse by the verse of the Bible, I love that, but we're not always in a mother's section. We're not always in a father's section. We're not always in a certain... So we take these opportunities because we still live in the world. We still live in the culture. And God, he created and designed motherhood. He also created and designed fatherhood. And taking a Sunday here and there to build up parents and grandparents, I don't want to leave you guys out, I believe is wise. But today, it's about the moms. Though anytime we open the scriptures... It should speak to all of us. Even though this is to moms, everybody here should be able to take something away from the Word of God. Moms are hard on themselves. They typically scrutinize every moment of their lives. They think they're failing here. They think they're failing there. They're missing all kinds of opportunities to help their kids grow and mature. They should have done more. They should have prayed more. They should have researched more. They should have said more. Should have said less. Should have worked harder, should have thought ahead, should have listened more, should have written it down, should have double-checked. Dads, well, they think they're doing great because <laughs> they took out the trash and they prayed over dinner and maybe they cut the grass. Hey, what, everything's fine, right? 
Now, I know that's not the case with all dads. We have some great fathers represented here. But you laugh because there's a little bit of truth in that, isn't there? <laughs> but as a rule, moms tend to set a higher bar. They tend to set a higher bar for their role, and they tend to have better, uh, greater expectations for themselves, and they tend to have greater expectations and bars for the kids. Precisely why Malachi chapter 4 says, and God, last verse, will turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children because the fathers, a lot of times, are a little negligent in that area. And with working moms, you think about working moms today, a lot of working moms have the same similar hours as their husbands. So if you have a dual-income family, they're not working less hours. They have about the same amount of hours. But they also at times have a much larger percent of the, of the, of the parenting. Same hours and a much larger percentage of the time of the parenting. Uh, that is tough. And then we have the significant number of single moms in America, a growing number. The, you know, when we go into the detention center, uh, the team goes in tonight, like I said, about 85, up to 90% are from single parent homes. A lot of times a single mom or a single grandmother. It's rough. That's a lot of work. Makes things even much more difficult, which is all the more reason why we need to look to the Scriptures and the Lord for direction and strength. If we don't get it from God, there's nowhere else to get it. If we don't get our strength from Him, there's nowhere else that will really satisfy that need. Now here in our text, we have Mary. Mary is perhaps the most well-known mother in all of Scriptures. Certainly one of the most well-known moms to ever be on earth. And should say she probably should be the most well-known. She had birth of Jesus, right? But not everyone knows the Bible, but she's still easily one of the most well-known mothers of all time in the Scriptures, right up there uh, in the Scriptures with Eve, with, uh, who was the wife of Adam, with Sarah, who was the wife of Abraham. Even many non-Christian people know who Mary is, wouldn't you agree? A lot of non-Christians know who Mary is. Some of them even have a little necklace with her, uh, with her son on it and don't even know why. Or they have a necklace of Mary. Uh, you see that too. So she's well known, as well as most people know who people have heard of who Eve and Sarah is as well. And by the way, all three of these mothers, very unique. Uh, Eve, she was the very first mother, and she didn't have a mother. Not a, mater not a biological mother. She was the only woman to never have a biological mother, also the first mother. Sarah, she had a child in her 90s well past childbearing. It was a miracle. And of course, Mary, who carried God's Son, the Savior of the world, uh, placed within her as a virgin, was her son by the Holy Spirit. Three very special moms. Each of them were integral to God's plan for their own families, but also for us of humanity. Wouldn't you agree? Those three moms play a role in us being here today. And yet for these iconic moms... Did you know they were all flawed? They were imperfect. They made mistakes just like the rest of us. These mothers, much like uh, the wife and mother of Proverbs 31. You, you know, women have studied Proverbs 31 8 million times, right? She's a mother. She's a wife. But she's not perfect either. They were all meant to be examples of God's faithfulness and God's grace. They were meant to be examples of God's faithfulness and God's grace. Now, you think of just like Moses or Abraham or David, none of these men and none of these women were ever to be worshipped. 
and put on these high, high pedestals. But we were intended and are intended uh, to learn from their lives and even from their mistakes and be encouraged by the fruit that God, and the fruit and the changes that God brought about in them. This morning, I want us to look back at the life of Mary. We're going to look back at her life. And hopefully, you as mothers will be strengthened, you'll be encouraged that the same God who loved and used and guided Mary is doing a very special work in you too. Same God. He's not changed. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And what he did in Mary, he can do in you as far as just a special work. And I've titled this message this morning, Orchestrated Moments, if you're taking notes. Now understand that Mary's life was full of moments that were never recorded in the Bible. Matter of fact, we know the life of Jesus much was recorded. Much of his life was never recorded. John said at the end of the, the book of John, "If all is recorded, all the books of the world couldn't contain it." So many things in Mary's life were never recorded in the Bible. But like you and me, she had thousands of moments that made up the totality of her life. You think about your life. You have thousands of moments. Some of them that are innocuous. You can't even remember what you did. Was I even awake at that moment? You know, I can't even remember driving to work. Right? You ever driven to work and you don't even remember driving to work? Like, how did, how did I get here? What in the world did I think about? Did I even know there was red lights? Uh, or, you know, something like that. So, you know, you can be that way. See, but these moments still make up the totality of your life. She had these uh, years of her life. Most of her years were as a mother because she had Jesus at a rel- relatively young age, being her first child. I call those the BBM years, the before being mom years. Those years, she only had a little bit. Most of them were as motherhood. Many women, not all, but many women, much of your life will be as a mother, a larger percentage of it. But even the before being a mom years, whether you were a mom later in life or uh, 30s or 40s, whatever, all even before years, if you become a mom, God was using those years to prepare you to be a mom in ways you didn't expect. Now, I'm sure you've seen some of the pictures and the paintings and renderings of Mary. You've probably seen a halo over her head. You ever seen that? Almost every one of them has a halo over her head. Uh, Something like the Saturn rings are floating around there. Her face or her body's glowing. A lot of times her hands are out like this. Light coming from her heart or from her hands. You'll see paintings like that. Some even have her elevated off the ground, either standing or sitting in clouds. Images like that, as a footnote, are at best fictitious and at worst deceptive. Sadly, by nature, many people would rather worship created people than worship the creator God. And so these renderings are not biblical they're not scriptural at all. Mary would be the first to say, you need to take that down. <laughs> Remember she's talking to the servants? Whatever says, do it. She'd say, you need to get that picture off the wall. That is not, uh, you, you look at me right now, you see me glowing? You know, I'm not, uh, you know, that, that's not who I am. I wouldn't have been, no one would have been able to like, I wouldn't be able to hang out normally at the wedding if I was glowing here, right? She's, she's not extraordinary there. She's just like everybody else. So she would have been the first to correct that. But The understanding that only Jesus shines. He does shine for it. He is elevated. The book of Revelation says he is seated on a cloud. 
So when you see these mediatrix-type uh, images, not good, and Mary wouldn't endorse them anyway. Mary, she was a normal person, but she was given by God an extraordinary privilege and place in God's plan and in history and in scriptures. Well, the moments of her life were as much a learning curve as anyone else's. You know, that learning curve of life takes longer than we think, doesn't it? Her life was just as much on that curve as anyone else. If Mary sat down with any of you mothers, wouldn't you love to just talk with her a little bit? Some of you moms? You know, tell us, what was it like to raise Jesus? <laughs> you get to heaven, you can have this discussion, but you know, right now you're just like, you're wondering. But if you were to sit down with her, I'm sure as you would lay out your hopes, I'm talking about you, you explain to her, you're laying out to her your hopes, your fears, your failures, your challenges. I believe she'd say something along the lines back to you as, I can relate. I can relate. But I want to go through some moments or seasons in the life of Mary that I think will be recognizable in your own lives and hopefully will give some insight and give some encouragement as to what God has already done in your life, what he's doing now, or what he's endeavoring to do in the future down the road in your life as a mom. And the good news for you men here, or kids, or whatever you may be, uh, any of you non-moms, this stuff still applies to you too. That's why even Proverbs 31, it's written to the role of a wife and mother, but you know Proverbs 31 also is applicable to the role of the church. So again, Scripture speaks, it might have a, a, a direct target, but everyone else on the target still receives something. So... Um, not the mom part. That, that doesn't apply to you men. You know, not the mom part. But the will and intent of God's desire for the moments of your life, that applies to everybody. Let's look first at what I've titled, shaky notes, moments of calling. We'll look at three things this morning related to the life of Mary and how, to, how does that extrapolate uh, to our own lives. Moments of calling. There are two callings that are 100% the same for every mom here as they were for Mary. Two callings. Exact same for every mom here as they were for Mary. Number one, God has called you to be a mom. Not a virgin birth. There's only one of those. But you're all called to be a mom because of the will and the intention of God. You're not an accidental mom. There's no accidental births. Everyone's born God intended, whether they have handicaps, whether they have uh, some kind of physical uh, limitations, whatever it may be. There's no accidental children, but there's also no accidental moms. You're a mom by the will of God. Now, this extends. Some of you are now grandmothers and great-grandmothers by the will of God. Before you were born, God knew you were going to be a great-grandmother, some of you. Before you were born, God knew you'd be a grandmother. You say, I don't know why he ever entrusted me with this. He has to entrust humans, and none of us are up to the task. Number two, so we've all, if, you're, if you're a mom, you've been called to be a mom. Number two, God has called every mom on earth, every mom on earth, to salvation by grace alone. Every single mom has been called to salvation, whether in, U, whether in Uganda, North Korea, Sweden, Brazil, doesn't matter. God's called every woman who's a mother of course, he's called everybody to salvation, right? So these two callings. Mary, too. Mary had to put her faith and trust in Jesus. 
doesn't mean that every mother will answer the call of salvation, but every woman's been called to the call of salvation. And it's with salvation, understand this, it's with salvation. If you're a mom, great, but it's with salvation that a mom can truly fulfill the calling of motherhood. Do you know God is not referred to in the Bible at any time, God is not referred to as a woman. He's always referred to in the masculine tense, always. However, there's plenty of scripture that show God's maternal side. Does that make sense? So even dads, it's okay for you to have a maternal side. You should. You should be able to put an arm around your child. You should be able to give a hug. You should be able to shed a tear every now and then. Jesus wept, didn't he? So we know, I mean, there's verses, you know, Jesus said, how I long to gather you as a mother hen gathers her chicks. You'll never hear Jesus remember her, she, or whatever, but maternal instincts, God has them, and he's imparted them to mothers. But it's with salvation, it's with salvation that the calling is fully understood. And this takes us back to John chapter 2 in just a bit. I'm not going to go back there, but we will shortly. Aside from the very set, uh, very unique set of fears and circumstances that Mary had, and we all agree that her circumstances were rather unique. Aside from her very unique fears and circumstances, Mary had to deal with, um, in becoming a first-time mom, the rest of everything else would have been the same no matter what for any woman, first time you had a child. Just like we have to trust God in coming to Christ, we have to trust God in becoming parents. But for moms, the first time you remember, ladies, when you became a mom for the first time, I only know this because I walked beside my wife and I'm kind of, and I'm an observational person. I look at details. I try and understand stuff. You remember, you know, if you, you know moms, the uh, whole process of God giving you a child, it's physical, yes, but it's also emotional. It's mental. It's spiritual. And then there's all these feelings that no one can describe. <laughs> what are you feeling? I can't understand it. I can't tell you. You wouldn't understand if I did. Men, you remember trying to figure out early on how to be empathetic? How to help with your words? You tr a lot of trial and error with helping with your words. Your tries at encouragement, your tries at wisdom, your tries at empathy. It's hard to say if it's the mental the emotional or the physical is the greatest impact on a woman having maybe the first child. And maybe and it does seem to get easier, at least, because you kind of know what to expect. But nevertheless, it's hard to know which one is the greatest. Ladies will disagree. No, for me, it's physical. For me, it's emotional. For me, I, I think it's different for each person. But for the men trying to figure out, we're like this to all of it. <laughs> we got nothing here. The calling of motherhood is not designed for us as men. Even though we live in a society that's trying to mix everybody up and no one has any definition of anything anymore, God still does. God has uniquely called and prepared you ladies to be mothers. Physically, yes. Biologically, yes. Emotionally, yes. Even spiritually that God has ordained it. If you're about to be a mom or a newer mom or even an experienced mom, you've got some fears or have had some fears in the past 
and doubts of your ability to do the job. But I can tell you, if the Lord has called you as a mom, you might feel unqualified, unprepared, but we all are for everything God calls us to. I am so unqualified to be a pastor. I don't have any problem admitting it. The longer I'm one, the more easy it is for me to admit it. I task God all the time. You either got the right guy or the wrong guy. Which is it? <laughs> and as a mom, you've probably asked that before. Lord, me? I want to choke this kid, you know. <laughs> right? I think that it was in the video or something like that. Mary praised and magnified the Lord. Remember after she found out that this is indeed going to happen, she praised and magnified the Lord because she knew that God was able to help her fulfill that role in calling. She knew God can help me do this. God can help me explain what's happening here. God can help me get there. God can help us get to Egypt. God can help me raise his son. God can help me with future children, whatever it is. Hebrews 13, 6 says, So we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. The Lord is your helper. Now, as a quick word to men who have lost their wife, and, and, the, and that exists in almost any setting, there's going to be people that have lost a wife for a various reason. Maybe it's a death. Maybe through divorce. Uh, maybe they end up with the kids. Now, no doubt, if someone was a widower or, or a man has responsibility of the kids, you've got to wear that mom hat to some degree. And they'll never fill that role, but God helps fill all gaps, doesn't he? Even for men in that situation. And for all the moms, God will equip you in this role, in this calling, um, but not understand that your calling of salvation, your calling to be a mom, isn't where the callings ends. God will call you, those of you that are moms, God may be calling you already right now to now be a mentor, to be an encourager, to share your experience with other younger moms, to disciple, to train, to help others really avoid some of the same mistakes that are avoidable with someone's a little bit of counsel. When we talked about this on Wednesday, that counselors of peace, they bring joy. You bring joy to people say, hey, I've tried that, and I'll tell you what, this really can work. But you younger moms need to be teachable too. I don't need to do that. I got a book. I got the internet. I got Google or whatever. You know, that, you know. Be, be keep teachable. Be coachable. Mary's relative Elizabeth, she answered that calling, didn't she? She really was there to help mentor Mary. Isn't that great? So God uses people in the lives of people so moms can become better moms by hanging out with experienced moms. Titus talks about this. Now we have moments of calling. Let's look at uh, our next thing here, moments of refining. After someone has overcome the initial doubts and fears and trepidation about the calling of becoming a mom, a good healthy dose of fatigue helps drown out the fear. You ever had that? You guys, you ladies, remember that? Remember the initial onslaught of crying, diapers, less sleep, schedule all messed up, rearranged? You get so busy with what must be done that over time you're not thinking, can I do this? All you have to think is, I got to do this. And your prayers start going up, God help me do this because it has to be done. A screaming baby will make sure you do something, <laughs> won't it? They're good about that. Having multiple children 
God gives the wisdom of experience. So after you have another child and perhaps another one, not everyone does, and, but again, some do. Uh, now Jesus, and you think about Mary and her specific family. Now Jesus, he certainly could have been a very unique baby, wouldn't you think? He might have been such a good baby that Mary really had to learn on baby number two, which is possible. James was his uh, uh, other, he had, well, he had a couple of brothers. We'll talk about that in just a second. But, but Mary, she would go on to have four additional sons. Matthew and Mark both refer to them by name. Um, at least two daughters. Mary had at least two daughters. Again, Matthew and Mark tell us this. We're not sure exactly. could have been more than two, but it says sisters, plural. So we know Jesus had at least two sisters and four brothers. Two of Mary's sons, uh, Jesus' half-brothers, one's name was James and the other's name was Jude. You ever read the book of James? That was Jesus' half-brother. You ever read the book of Jude? Jesus' other half-brother. He had two other brothers uh, and those two would go on to write those epistles. Neither of his brothers, and in fact, it, it seems to indicate that none of his brothers originally believed in Jesus initially. When, the, when you know, Peter, James, John are following, the brothers were like, this is not God's son. This is not the Messiah. His brothers did not believe in him. We don't know about the sisters, but the brothers, we're certain, didn't at first. They believed in Jesus after the resurrection. Well, I'll tell you, a resurrection will change your belief, won't it? We, they saw him crucified, but then when he's like knocking on the door of the house again, all right, you really are. <laughs> that whole virgin birth thing mom told us, it really was true. <laughs> we didn't believe that either, you know? His brothers came, came along not only to believe in Jesus, they would come to later become leaders in the church along with the apostles. James was a leader with the apostles in the early church. And the other two brothers, it's likely that they were also leaders in the church. But having at least seven children, think about Mary. She had at least seven children. They almost certainly had a very small home, a poor family, very limited income. Mary had her challenges, and the workload would have been very taxing. Ain't no microwave around back then. You know? And have all that stuff. But all of the years from Jesus to the youngest in the family, she would be working with them, teaching them, pointing them to God. She'd have the good days. She'd have the bad days. Seemingly a couple steps forward, one step back. Would you ever have this? A couple steps forward, one step back? It's like just in our Christian life, right? But all of those moments of refining, God wants you as mothers to enjoy and treasure every moment. Enjoy and treasure every moment and yet persevere through the other moments. Some you get to enjoy and just drink them in. Some you got to really battle and persevere through. Some moments are wonderful, aren't they? As they happen, you look back and remember, man, there's been some really good moments. Remember the turning one party? <laughs> I, I, I remember all of our turning one parties. It's a big deal when the little finger does this and, you know, face in the cake and... There's grandparents all crowded around, and everyone comes to those, and then later they stop coming to the parties, and it gets smaller and smaller. There's tons and tons of pictures, and the third kid says, where's all my pictures? And we were at, uh, our daughters had dance recital the other night. We were at 
a dance recital, and, and so our girls were coming out later with the teens doing lyrical and all this stuff, and we see the little, the little ones in the tutus run out there, and you know, me and my wife are like, oh, that feels like five minutes ago. You see them, none of them in order and banging into each other, and, and that's what everyone loves. They want, they want the worst performance possible because then it's cute. Those are good moments, aren't they? But then there's the other things. I've heard moms say, this two-year-old's going to break me. It's going to be the end of me. And you don't have to be a mom to feel that way sometimes. Other things in life, you might say, might break you. Maybe something else. But it's really not God breaking us. It's God shaping us. It's him showing us our own stubbornness sometimes. Our own immaturity. Our own strong will. Two-year-olds aren't the only ones with strong wills. 44-year-olds have strong wills, too. It's our own limitations. It's our own weaknesses that God has to help us understand, that we have to learn not to lean to our own understanding or own strength, but the ability and strength of Jesus Christ. George Mueller, he said, trials, obstacles, difficulties, and sometimes defeats are the very food of faith. They're the very food of faith. It's the difficulties that are the food of our faith. The good moments are great because they re-energize us, but they're not the food of our faith. Hudson Taylor said there are three stages in the work of God. I love this quote. Impossible, difficult, done. Where are you at in the stage, moms? I feel like I'm in the impossible stage. God will take you to the difficult stage, and then you'll get to the done stage. Then you get to start a new stage that's the same process all over again. But it'll give you the strength to bear it. It's true for all of us. Refining us is the Lord teaching us. It's the Lord discipling us. It's the Lord preparing us for the next phases of life. The question is, are we listening as he's refining us? Are we hearing? Uh, are we learning what God is doing in these things that he's allowed in our life? Are we learning from the wonderful moments, but also learning from those difficult times? We have to pray that God gives us, here's a prayer that I pray all the time, God, give me scriptures that give me insight to these moments. All the moments of your life, God can illuminate them with a verse. You're like, wow, I turned my Bible, and that verse explains what I'm going through or what I'm trying to pray through. Learning from not only the scriptures and insight, but learning from failures. That's an important thing to learn from failures, isn't it? Because we're all going to have them. Mary had her failures too. We don't know. We don't know much about the circumstances of exactly how Jesus got left behind in Jerusalem. The Bible just says he did get left behind. And we don't know how they felt about having to turn the caravan around and go find him, but I'm pretty sure it wasn't a good feeling, right? Can you imagine the conversation? I thought you left him with so-and-so. I thought you left him with so-and-so. And you thought you'd blown it when you couldn't find your child for five minutes at Target or Kohl's. By the way, I can get lost in Kohl's. Confusing layout, low ceilings, very cluttered, dark stuff in the aisles. Not to pick on Kohl's, but I, I, it, the place disorients me. You know, just... Uh, I was like, I need a flashlight in there or something. Light it up like Target in here. At least, um, I think it's made to kind of have you hang out for Kohl's cash or something. But uh, like, I can't, 
in a men's section. Now there's a pillow beside. What is going on in this place? <laughs> or moms, you ever left an entire bag of groceries at the grocery store? That turnstile at Walmart, you thought you grabbed every one of them? And the guy wasn't so helpful to help you double check. So you go home, you're like, hold on. Should be another bag here. We've done this in our house. Both of us. It's not just moms and dad. We've both done this at our house. Hope it's there. Frustrating, yes, but at least you didn't leave Jesus back in Jerusalem. <laughs> right? Or Mary and Joseph, was he with Zacharias? I thought you left him with Uncle Zacharias. I don't know. <laughs> Hanging out with his cousin John the Baptist. No, he's in the temple. Last I saw him, he was talking to the priesthood, which he was. Our failures refine us, don't they? They show us that God really moves us forward. And this is great. I love when you study the patriarchs. Abraham was not perfect. Moses, not perfect. You know, when you study the patriarchs, you realize that God moved them forward despite their missteps. Everyone in this room has had missteps this very week. And God moves us forward despite our missteps. You made it here today despite your missteps because of God's grace. He moves us forward. If we remain humble and remember that, hey, we, we're just a bunch of missteppers. That's a new word. Just You can use it anytime you want. And we say, Lord, grow me. Lord, slow me down if I'm running ahead, if I'm just running around, if I'm not working in your spirit. All of these things we need God. Moms go through. Sometimes you just are just busy and you Lord, slow me down. Quiet my restless heart. Settle me. Keep my heart and my mind in your word. Pray, God, help me to stay in your word. Help me to meditate in your word. Place people in my life. This is a prayer that we should be praying. Place, pe place people in my life that really love me. Do you know there's some people that will really love you, and there's some people that are just, they'll just use you to make themselves look better. Lord, place people in my life that really love me, really care for me, will really uphold me, will really encourage me, will pray with me, not at me. Will pray with me. Will be there that are true friends. And even when the Lord answers those prayers, we can still feel tired, still feel overwhelmed, still feel unmotivated, still feel like failure. Those are refining moments, aren't they? I wonder if there were times when Mary was down, maybe down on herself, thinking something that had gone wrong, and oh, I should have done this, I should have done that. Maybe sitting there, just kind of staring into space. You ever sat on the porch or something, you're just kind of staring out of nowhere. You're thinking, and trying to work up a prayer that wouldn't come. You ever tried to work up a prayer that won't come? And then her son, God's son, comes and sits down and puts an arm around her and says something like this, God the Father has you right where he wants you. Imagine having Jesus as your son. Got the wonderful counselor there. That's a tough challenge to both mother and I think even our text, Mary's not sure sometimes how this goes. Because he could put an arm around and say, God's, God's got you. You're, you're right where he wants you. And for you, God may be saying the same thing. He's got you. You're right where he wants you. Having Jesus that close, just his voice alone would have brought comfort and confidence. Having the voice of Jesus 
there. Can you imagine Mary? She gets the voice of Jesus saying, Mom, you're going to be fine. You're going to be okay. But moms, Jesus wants to be that close to you too. Did you know that? Even today, he wants to be that close to you. This, the phrase is true. What a friend we have in Jesus. But come back to the text. Turn back with me to John chapter 2. Come back to the text. I want to draw your attention to the ongoing work of Jesus in this relationship. So they have a relationship of mother and son, but they also have a relationship of Savior and saved. Right? This is, the, this is the uniqueness of this relationship. There's never been one like it. Mary and Jesus are the only relationship like the two of them. She gave birth to the Son of God, but yet she was his biological mother, but yet she needed him as her Savior, her Master, her Lord, her King, just like every other person in this room needs. But look at the relationship and, and what's taking place here. By the way, Mary, notice that she has that motherly attention to the circumstances. Now, everyone's at the wedding, but it's Mary who comes up and says, they've run out of wine. This is, once again, mothers are aware of all the things going on. You know, the dads are like, what? 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 I, I was watching the game for two minutes. That was two hours, right? <laughs> but the, the mothers are aware. This is wrong. This is out of place. This needs to be, oh, picture frame, whatever. Over here. Mary was aware before. The disciples weren't coming to Jesus saying this. Mary was the one coming to Jesus. The disciples weren't saying, hey, Jesus, you're out of wine here. They're like, we're out of wine? I didn't know that. <laughs> but she's on top of that kind of stuff. A lot of moms are. Hand, a lot of balls in the air handling these type things. But she comes to Jesus. She's aware and she's concerned. Now, over the years, Mary, she had been refined in her life through trials, through blessings, through good times, through testings, through prayer, through difficulties, through training, through teaching, through applying, through going to the temple, going to the feast, all of these things she has learned in her life. But she also has this relationship with Jesus personally. And no matter how well you and I know Jesus, he will transition us to new understandings of who he is. Let me say that again. No matter how well you know Jesus, if you're still alive, he will transition us, and this is good for us, into new levels of understanding who he is. It's a spiritual depth that only God can do in our spirit, where we start to, again, he widens our understanding, and he does this with Mary right here. This is all new to her. She comes to him, and he says, Woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. When we start to know Jesus, and he shows us a different nuance, or an understanding of who he is, his authority in our life, uh, at first it can, it can kind of jostle a person a little bit. Like, what are, you, what are you doing here? But he wants to take total control of our lives. Amen? Total control of our life, Full reign. Full authority. And he wants us to bring us to a greater level of worship, 
and obedience. See, Mary, she's not going to have Jesus as a son. He's just started to enter his earthly ministry. In the next three years, he's going to be teaching and preaching, and he's going to then go to the cross and die, and then he's going back to sit at the right hand of the Father. That phase of her life, and now, now she is having to come under just the authority of Jesus, just as the disciples would. And so even when he says uh, woman, uh, the better rendering it would be an arm or something like ma'am, madam. What does your concern have to do with me? What, uh, what many scholars believe here is you know, Jesus is about to turn water into wine. In the Old Testament, there was many references to the fact that in the messianic age, when God brings his king, that there would be a flowing of wine and milk and honey And Jesus is saying, my blood has to flow before the blessing comes. He was teaching her in a little moment. He goes, you've got to understand, I'm hearing your request, but it will be subservient to the will of the Father. I love you as a mom, but my Father runs my schedule. Right? And he wasn't saying that rude. He was saying that you're going to need to know that when I say it's time to move on, And brother and sister, Jesus is not our co-pilot. He's the pilot, right? That bumper sticker and all that. He decides when we move on to the next phase. He decides. Now, in grace, he actually does answer her request, doesn't he? We don't have time to go into that. He goes in, and he certainly does address the concern. But he's teaching her at this point that her level of worship, her level of obedience is now going to take a new transition. She's going to have to grow in that faith. We have to grow in our faith. We have to grow into more worshipers than we are today. More trusting Jesus. Well, I had to trust Jesus when my kids were too. You're going to have to trust them a lot when they're 19. The trust level will have to grow commensurate with your responsibilities, the family growth. Our trust level has to grow, and Jesus will take us to new levels of you have to just trust me on this. Jesus says, you have to trust me on this. Mary, you got to trust me on this. You didn't call me mom. I know. Right now I'm talking to you as a disciple. You have to trust me on this. And when we go there and we grow there, our view of the Lord will expand. And here's the thing. People will see it in our lives. People will see the expansion of God in our lives. Moms and dads, your kids will see when your faith grows, when your obedience to Christ grows, they'll know it. They'll know your faith has grown. They'll know and see that you now believe in and confess and walk in what you say. Remember, Mary's, Mary's kids are at this wedding too. They see, the, they see the interaction. Jesus, he exalts his purpose here. He exalts his calling. Mary sees it. She understands it. And what does she do? She submits to it. And her response is not, hey, hold on a second. I've been a really good mom all these years. She immediately says, with, there's no time to have a dialogue here. And her response is, yes, Lord. She turns to service and says, anything he says, do it, because he is king of kings. That's what she's saying. He really runs my life. He's the strength of my life. He's the, what's helped me be what I am. Yes, she's the biological mother, but she's a surrendered disciple of Jesus. Yes, you're a biological mother, mother, but God wants you to be not just a biological mother, but a surrendered disciple of Jesus Christ. And there's where the real strength will be. And there's where your kids and grandkids will be disciples of Jesus. Let's look at the last thing this morning. Just closing with this, just a few minutes of this last point. 
moments of truth, and this is, again, if you look at Mary's response, whatever he says to you, do it, verse 5. She doesn't, she doesn't waver in the statement. It's just straight. Turns. She receives from Jesus, yes, Lord. Turns says, you guys need to do exactly what he says. Mothers, all the moments in your life count. Those times of rejoicing, they count. The times of labor pains, they count. The morning sickness, they count. The high points, the low points, when you came to Jesus, hugely counts, right? Whether that was before or after a mom. Some of you came to Jesus before being a mom. Some of you came to Jesus after your mom. God is in control of all of that. The growth, the maturity, the mistakes, the victories, the consistency, which is what God wants from us, right? Just be consistent. Just keep drawing near. The commitment, the love, the service, the sacrifice, the things said, and the things unsaid. All those are the moments of life, right? All these moments, laughing, crying, all these different moments of life. But I believe God takes all these moments, and we want to come to a close with this understanding. I believe God takes all the moments of our lives and all the moments that are ordained, and he condenses in a moment details and distills down sometimes into a simple statement that will ring incredibly true. If our life with Christ is true. Does that make sense? So in other words, you can have life is just moving, and you're growing, you're going, and all of a sudden, God distills everything down, and there's one moment where God has you speak, and there's a magnitude of truth in that statement. Mary doesn't say much here. Whatever he says, you do it. But it's recorded by the Holy Spirit because her statement is emphatic. And it wouldn't have fell on deaf ears. Because people have been watching her life for years. The kids are still watching. She's not convinced the kids yet that Jesus is the Son of God. They don't believe in their own brother, half-brother. This happens at various times and orchestrated by the Lord. And when God condenses all the moments into a single statement, you can't fake it. It won't be fake. It won't fall flat. When God stirs our spirit, nobody can really deny it. The Spirit of God will confirm it to the hearers. Even if they outwardly reject it, inwardly they're mulling it over. You might have a condensed moment where all of a sudden you've been working at the job for three years and you say one thing about Jesus that just flies out of your mouth and God uses it like a missile. He takes many moments and funnels them into a single moment. And remember, with these brothers and perhaps sisters of Jesus standing there, the, everyone, the whole family and the disciples were at this wedding. It tells us this. They didn't believe in Jesus, but who knows if they didn't take a step closer to Jesus as they observed their mother's faith. The way Jesus said, ma'am, and her response told them, mom really believes this is the Son of God. Do your kids believe you believe that Jesus really is the Son of God? Well, we go to church three out of every 15 weeks. They're not believing. And after Mary submits to the voice of Jesus, his stated will, she states this very simple but firm truth with 100% conviction, and then a miracle comes. Then the water is turned into wine just after that. Jesus, looking at all the details, her response. After Christ does a new work, 
a lot of times, when we surrender and we're obedient, Christ does a new work in us too. Amen? Her belief in the truth of who Jesus was, it was unmistakable to the disciples, it was unmistakable to the family and her own children. Moms, as we close here, let all the moments of your life ultimately point to this, that you can say, Jesus, whatever he says, do it and follow him. That all of your life can point to that truth. That when you would say it, people would say, she really means that. That really is the centerpiece of her life. I want to close just reading uh, a stanza of a hymn called Trusting Jesus written by Ira Sankey. He was, um, did the music for D.L. Moody's uh, Crusades. And you'll notice that the word moments appears in this. So just listen and we'll close with this. It says, simply trusting every day, trusting through a stormy way, even when my faith is small, trusting Jesus, that is all. Trusting as the moments fly, trusting as the days go by, trusting him, whatever befall, trusting Jesus, that is all. Why don't you bow your heads as we close in prayer. Father, we, we thank you, Lord Jesus, for the orchestrated moments of our life. Lord, the ones that are glorious and a lot of fun, and the ones that are difficult because, Lord, all of them are conforming us to have greater faith, greater obedience, greater submission, surrender to you. And in that, Lord, you transform us into your glorious image. Lord, I just close in prayer for these moms, again, that, uh, that you would strengthen them and encourage them. Far beyond anything that we looked at or read, you would just, in the days ahead, just continue to, uh, Lord, just draw them closer and closer to you. And not only them, but each and every person here, Lord, whether they be a mother, father, son, daughter, Lord, your desire is that all of us would have these moments that are bringing us closer and closer to the revelation and true depth of faith that we turn to you for everything we need, trusting in Jesus, as we just read. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.